You know, I couldn't say the chapter, but I could explain why bamboo is good for society. Welcome to the Geopats podcast, where we scratch your cultural curiosity itch with many different theme shows, all with the global focus. For the month of November, we're participating in NAPOD POMO. Basically, we're posting an episode every day. We are focusing on the language show in November, and we'll be back to our regular schedule of many different shows starting in December. So today and tomorrow, we are learning about Ryan's story about learning Mandarin Chinese. Hey, Ryan, thank you for joining us for Changing Script. Hey, great. Great to be here. Thanks. Can you tell our listeners a hair about yourself? Uh, I am a um, enthusiast for startups and exploring the world and diving into what I don't know. I think is the best way to say it. Ooh, that is a good way to say it. So curiosity is a strong element yes. in what you do. Excellent. Well, that feeds in well to the language story that we're going to dive into today. Why did you come to China? And you don't have to answer that uh, if you want. No, it's easy. And it's short, unlike other people usually, <laughs> because I do ask that question a lot and it gets very long. I came to China simply because it was the one place in the world I knew the least about. That's it. Yeah. So when mm -hmm. did you start learning Mandarin Chinese? I started learning Mandarin Chinese when I came to China uh, for the very first time 15 years ago in 2004. And I discovered something that I could do here that I could never do anywhere else in the world. Which is? I could leave the classroom and go learn Chinese on my own in the villages. And that turned everything around for me. Okay, where were you living? So I was living in Shanghai. I, I, I would basically, I was very nice to my professors and my teachers. And I would explain to them in the best broken English that I could in Chinese that, you know, I'm going to go learn also on these trips. I would then, because back then there were no smartphones, I'd use my uh, German Chinese, my, it was a German company, but it was an English Chinese dictionary. I would ask someone on the street. I'd say, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, ma'am. If you could go on vacation right now, where would you go in China? And they'd be like, oh, I'd go to this town. And then I'd be, great, thanks. And then I'd go there. That was how I would figure out what I want to go and do. And I'd spend the week there. I'd get back for my class. I hadn't gone over the course material, but I had gotten in trouble. I had gotten in situations. I had had the moments where I needed to learn Chinese or it felt like life or death. And that had prepared me and helped me learn faster and more Chinese than anyone else in my class. You know what? I couldn't say the chapter. But I could explain why bamboo is good for society and how it relates to this because I had been at a tea house the, the week before with someone explaining to it me in Chinese and them expecting me to respond and me shifting through the book, you know, having people stare at me and, and having to perform life or death at that moment. And that's how I learned in the field, you know, getting into bad situations and really being there. I absorbed so much and I actually I picked up the language. Right, right, right. Okay, let's let's slow down and kind of zoom yeah. in on those on those real life situations. You keep saying bad situations. Were you actually in danger? I was never in danger, okay. but I would say I learned I would put myself in bad situations. Mm -hmm. And I can give an example. Okay. And I'll try to make this one short. No. So I'm traveling in the south of China and I'm going through these small uh, uh 
towns that are near the uh, Guilin, which are the uh, mountains that are like the they they stick out like pencils out of the earth and the mountains and the 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 clouds go around them and then the rivers between them. They're very crouching tiger, hidden dragon esque. And I am walking through this one town and I see this beautiful old tea house. It look it's a two story Chinese tea house. Looks like from the movies. And I'm like, I'm gonna go in there and get some tea. And I get in there and I get some tea. And then I just decide, okay, well, what can I do to, to, to make today a learning day? So I go into my dictionary and I look up the word mahjong. And I look up the word how to say, I want to play mahjong. And I open my book and I say, you know, waiter, please come over here. Waitress comes over and I say, whoa, that's me. And I turn the next page. Uh, want, yao, turn the next page. Uh, and then it's play, so da, and then mahjong. And then I'm like, well, yao da mahjong. And she looks at me like, Nio da mahjong. And then she starts going, and then everything she says, I go, shi, ha, yes. I basically say in translation, yes, of course, yes. And then she goes, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yes, of course. And I have no idea what she's saying. And I'm just like, well, yao da mahjong. Just over and over again, I want to play mahjong. And because I see kind of like in the corner a mahjong set. And I've never played mahjong in my life. And she's like, blah, 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 blah. Like, keep on talking to me. Keep on talking. I just keep on going. How? Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes. All of a sudden she walks away and they shut down the entire tea house. They start closing all of the doors around me. Everything starts to close and she starts yelling like that something's going on. I'm like sitting there like, oh, my God. And all of a sudden. A giant group, two tiers of people just like turn their seats to look at me. And I'm sitting kind of in the middle of the courtyard and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And they bring out this mahjong set. And then all of a sudden the door, the front doors open up and these old Shanghainese style-esque um, uh, women with this super tall hair that's colored and, and jade jewelry. They're the owners of the tea house and they're the owners of the tea house across I had just challenged the owners of the tea house to a mahjong competition. <laughs> That's awesome. And I had no, I'm in this small town, one of the only foreigners to ever walk through. And I just challenged all of them to mahjong. I don't know any Chinese except for, hi, how are you? What's the weather like? And I'm saying like, all right, I'm going to learn mahjong and I'm going to do this. And that's that's the, that's not a life-threatening, but I am feeling right. on. I got to perform. This is pressure. What happens is that, you know, I'm getting through with saying, yes, of course, absolutely, all the time to what everyone asks me. And they're like, you know, and, and then following up with Megoren, American, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, like just the most simple Chinese trying to say that. And and they are just, you know, these titans of Mahjong sitting next to me. They're moving. I don't even know how to organize it. I'm just randomly organizing. I'm pulling. They're pulling tiles i'm pulling tiles they're lining it up i line it up and they're like someone comes around my corner like starts helping me move things around and make sure i'm ready because they realize like one person catches on like wait he doesn't know what's going on then you're dead yeah and then we start playing and i have a strategy and i'm like okay whatever the person across from me says or does i will copy and then after that, whatever the person to my left does or says, I will also copy. And then the person on my right, and I'll just keep on copying in a circle and see how long it takes for them to pick up. And so the person next to me starts and she goes, pung, throw something in there. And I'm like, oh, pung, that's, that's one of the words. And then the person over across from me goes, chuh, and grabs one of the tiles. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to say chuh, and I'm going to grab a tile. 
This person over there says, Ch, grabs a tile. And I go, Ch, and I grab a tile. Everyone's like, Ooh, he knows how to play. <laughs> this is it. He's, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. And then I, the other person goes, Pung, and throws one away. Yeah. And I go, Pung, I just grab a random one. I throw a tile. And they're like, Oh. And then they, I start doing this and I start throwing away all the correct tiles, yeah. all the things that I need to win. It's like having um, an assassin at the table because I have no idea what I'm screwing everyone else's game. And they suddenly realize that I'm just copying everyone. <laughs> and the women look at me and start laugh, cracking up. Everyone starts just making fun and just laughing so much because now I'm just – Throwing things out, I'm saying ch or pung or whatever anyone else is saying. Yeah. Everyone's laughing at me, and then everyone starts calling me si chow chow. Yeah. And I'm like, everyone's like, ah, oh, si chow chow. And I'm like, I don't know what that word is. I don't know what's going on. I hear all this stuff. And then, you know, the whole village is basically there. <laughs> and so now for the next, you know, I lose. Um, I, I try my best to be generous and say, thank you for your time. You know, they buy me an extra cup of tea. It, everyone's laughing. Everyone has a good time. I learned something about Mahjong. I learned some more Chinese. And then everyone's yelling at me. Hey, so chow chow. Hey, how you doing? So chow chow. They all, I have a nickname now in the whole village. And they're all like coming up to me, hanging out with me saying that. And then later I go home and I figure out so chow chow means roadkill. So my nickname at that village was roadkill because I got totally killed by ever all the other mahjong people but i learned that and then i was able to tell that story in chinese when i came back from my from my um you know to my teacher and everything so i was learning at an accelerated pace but i wasn't learning the right material so then i would have to go back and then restudy the books so i could pass the test but it was so much easier for me because then i could put into context i could put into something else and all of a sudden everything started clicking and i'd like to say this happened very quickly but no it still was a lot of work yeah. but i was learning like you said for fluency struggling all my life in in language as i was finishing high school going into college and then realizing i wanted to go to china f before and first i was actually given exemption from language studies i was proven to struggle so much in languages they wrote me a special note to make me exempt for my life to study languages as a requirement. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about high school, university? After high school. So after, after high, high school, school, my professors and my uh, advisors yeah. actually came together because they knew I worked so hard. There was evidence of me working yeah. hard. They said, listen, we, maybe you're just not built for language. And, oh. and they gave me a exemption. So any school that I went to, I had a written letter saying, hey, this, this one doesn't need to do language studies. Whoa. Yeah, which really okay. just really was sad. Yeah. You know, I felt like I really failed out of the game. You know, I failed to a point where it was, okay, so that also kind of drove, like, I'm going to go to China where the languages is the hardest place in the world as well. I'm going to see what happens. All of my classmates were, even in China, they were acing the test. Mm -hmm. But if you, them out, you took them out of the classroom in China, they couldn't order food. They couldn't talk to anyone. Yep. And I would sit on the side of the road, have a 10-minute conversation with someone with, with barely any Chinese. Yep. So I was high fluency, but very little... Ability. In the middle of these these situations, how did you remember what was being said? Was it just the pressure that, that helped you keep those yes, words? Yes, pressure helps you keep words definitely yeah. because it's related to an action. You know, when I was studying something and someone would say, if you were studying mahjong and someone would say, oh, it means to take a pile to, to eat and pung means to throw it away. And, you know, I'd just be like, okay, that's just a point of data. I'm not good at remembering points of data. But if I remember this old lady with very tall red hair looking at me, <laughs> with way too much lipstick on her mouth saying ch and throwing it out 
or grabbing it, and then I'm going to remember that forever. It's part of a more complex frame of reference for me, which allows me to memorize much better. It, it instantly is now locked away, and I'm able to recall it more confidently. That confident feeling is my fluency. You know, I've been in those situations. I've gotten in trouble where I had to like talk my way out of stuff in Chinese. I've you know done hitchhiking in the mountains of China, where. You know, it's like, well, if I'm going to get to this location, I have to convince this person in broken Chinese to put me in the back of their truck, or something bad could happen to me. I don't know. I don't even want to know what's going to happen. So, putting myself in bad situations it was the missing element in the classroom. I could never do it. Very few people do. I mean, like there'll be thematic chapters in a lot of language textbooks, and I'm not just talking about Chinese, just in general in language textbooks. There'll be like, oh, this is the grocery store chapter. This is the going on vacation chapter. Yes. That kind of thing. But you don't actually physically do the things. And I think that's missing for a lot of people. It's definitely yeah. missing for me too. And I did a lot of role plays and stuff. I was a teacher. I would make people like get up and go to the other side of a door and like open things and yeah. hand things and like make, and the students are like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, but you're going to remember this. Yes, you are. Because there's a physical it. response to yes. the words that you're doing. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to do that in big classrooms. Oh, it's very, very, and, uh, yeah. big yeah. classrooms. You're, yeah. yeah. And with different, different people at different times and so much it's so complex. So, okay, so you had those circumstances where you're learning the language and context, you're using them, there's a physicalness to the actions, and then you come back, but you're still taking the classes. How did you combine those two language worlds? I basically didn't, you know, um, I would learn my language out of the classroom. And then I would come to the classroom to try to share it, you know, and then I would have to, you know, cram uh, a bunch of words and things like that that I was learning. But that was also good because then I, I was not afraid of talking to the taxi driver. So I had some rules for myself to learn Chinese faster because I knew that, you know, so if it takes on average a normal person to learn Chinese, let's say, I don't know, 20 hours of studying, I had to put in 40. That's just what I, I figured out for myself. I had to put in double and I need hacks. I need rules so I can put in double and get more out. So one of them was every single cab driver that I took I had to talk to them. I had to have a full conversation with them in Chinese, and I had to use the new material that I learned. That was one of my rules. The other rules were everything in my life had to be in uh, Chinese language. My phone, my uh, computer, everything that I interacted with had to be in Chinese. Yes, it's going to take me 30 minutes to figure out where the delete button is, but I'm going to remember it after that 30 minutes. Right. You are. Because, yeah, especially if there's something there waiting for you and you got a notification, you're like, I yes. need to get to. Well, not for, if you're looking for the delete button, you want to yeah. get rid of something. But still, there's. But, uh, yeah, you want to move on to the no next what, action. Yep. Everything had to be there. You struggling with language and people telling you basically don't worry about it. You can't do language. Yes. And then you come to China and you're doing these workarounds and making these rules and basically building a beautiful language learning structure for yourself. Yes. What was the bridge to make you realize you wanted to or could do that? If you're not interested, if you don't have a passion behind it, you're not going to. For me, I traveled, I, I went to the countryside and I saw these hardworking, very kind people that were just so kind. They didn't speak my language at all and they were helping make sure I was safe. They were helping make sure I was taken care of. They weren't taking advantage of me. The people were so kind and nice to me, like Midwestern nice. You know, not normal nice, like Midwestern, bring you into your house, share some of the fruit from your own, you know, back garden trees and, and just make sure you're taken care of like you feel like you belong. And I didn't speak a word. Yeah. 
I could barely say anything. And that's without, that's knowing that I couldn't give them anything in return. And I wanted to know their story. But what drove me was I decided that I needed to know what their story was. I needed to connect with them. I wanted to understand China. And one of the things about China is that you can't understand China or its culture without its language. They're in, they're intuitively tied. Culture and language in China are, are, are very, very similar, almost un, distinguishable because it's a such it's you know from the history of the pictograph and how they set it up to what it is today um you know i was dedicated and i said no i'm going to learn chinese culture i'm going to learn why this ticks how this ticks and i want to know that person's story and that was my constant driver to do these things where i didn't have that contextual context before you know i was learning because i wanted to get an a that's not it was never enough for me and so when i when i had that drive i said i'm doing this because i want to learn about China because I still know nothing. And that drove me to the next and next and next step, eventually being the head translator for the Beijing Olympus. the plan.